Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Dan Stratford, Mike Blewett back here on Fantasy Sports Today talking a little... NFL right now want to get to a potential uh, rule change or at least a rule suggestion from the Denver Broncos momentarily. But continuing this thread on Eli Manning and uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, doing a bit of research here, uh, both uh, on stats in Eli's career, uh, but also uh, I know, Mike, you were looking at the idea of uh, quarterbacks taken mainly between rounds three and and beyond. But I just wanted to make mention I, I was sort of doing you know, over Eli's career, 2004 to, to present, who's been the leaders each year in the NFL, right? What names are there and can we compare Eli to them? Um, and it's just fun to see back in 2008, the quarterback who had the longest pass of the year was none other than Gus Farratt. So uh, <laughs> Eli Manning is no Gus Farratt. We can all agree on that, I am sure. Uh, but uh, I, how dare you? I, I How dare you, uh, you uh, trash Gus Farratt like that? <laughs> exactly right. Um, so, listen, I I struggle with putting Eli ahead of his brother, Favre, Breeze, uh, Brady. Uh, who else is out there? Who am I missing here? Uh, Rivers out in San Diego. Um, trying to think of other names that ben. Uh, ben Roethlisberger in in Pittsburgh. Um, and and those are all timers. And I and I hear you on saying if if Rivers is in, then uh, Manning is in, then Eli's in. And I, I don't disagree with that. But when I think of the Hall of Fame, and again, subjective here, I want a player who dominated his era, who's somebody that that was in the top discussion for the position each year. And Eli just never was that. Eli w- was good and potentially great certain years, but he felt as though he was never to me a Hall of Fame player. And and that's completely subjective. But I do agree with you that if I'm putting Rivers in, then you sort of have that domino effect that the 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 you know the pieces have to come together to have Eli in as well. Yeah. So um I look the Giants thing I, I like we've said from the beginning, it's this wasn't meant to be a Giants show, but it is really uh, I, I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see if they hang on one more year. They said last year they think Eli has two more years. Um, and that's really when his contract runs through. So we'll see if they make that decision. Uh, but I do think I, I, here's the interesting thing is that I just don't think he's completely done. Like he's got to be out of the league, but I just think that for an organization that's got to be pointed in one direction, I think Eli hampers that. I just, I, I do think that at this point. It's not that his teammates don't love him. It's not that he can't play, but consistently, you need a guy to make plays and to help you win games. I just don't think 
Eli is never the type of QB that can be a game manager. That's just not who he is. And I'd be surprised if he was able to adapt to that. And the reality is with that offense last year, they need, he need, they needed a game manager. And I just don't think that's Eli's game. I think that, uh, your point earlier about rebuilding that offensive line and letting Eli have more protection would make sense. I, I could get behind that reasoning for giving him one more shot that we're going to rebuild the offensive line. We're going to protect him better. We're going to give him more time and then give him the skill player on the outside in Odell, Saquon Barkley. And then we come back though, to the question, Mike of what are you doing for the future? Are you drafting Haskins? Are you drafting a quarterback this year? Or are you doing the same thing we were just sort of blasting of hoping to find somebody in the third or fourth round? I would never do the third or fourth round thing. Right. I think I would draft. I think I would trade for Rosen or I would draft somebody uh, now. Now, if they're not in love with Haskins and it's Drew Locke, then, yeah, I would consider playing musical chairs with my picks to maybe get a little bit more to move back to get it. But we all know how this plays out. The three teams that need quarterbacks are going to fall in love and, and move all over the board potentially for it. Now, Washington may have actually put themselves in a position to mitigate the panic that could exist um, on draft day because they have Keenum there for a year, and they don't have to go crazy moving up the board to take Drew Locke, for example. If they're in love with one of the guys, then you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but I, I think that they put themselves in a position where, let's say the four quarterbacks grade out. I'm just I'm just throwing the four out that it's Murray, Haskins, Locke, and Jones. I just think that they could stay where they are, and if they really like Jones, then they can take him at 13, and they have Keenum and develop it. But Daniel Jones does not have Todd McShay. I was listening to him. He doesn't have a first-round grade on Daniel Jones. It doesn't mean the guy can't get picked in the first round. He's just, when he says something like that, he says that he's got a third-round grade on it, which means possible starter, uh, needs some work, possible starter long-term. If he has a first-round grade, it means quality starter for a long period of time. If he has a top-10 pick, that's perennial pro bowler. That's sort of how his grading system works. Um, so Daniel Jones means, like, possible starter, probable starter. That's not exactly somebody you're throwing a parade for. But if they want to work the Keenum angle – and then develop Jones over the next year or two, like the past did with Garoppolo, and so be it. Everybody's in love with Jimmy Garoppolo. The guy's barely played football. <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait to see how this year plays out for him, but uh, is pretty crazy how quickly that happens in the National Football League, right? How quickly uh, someone can either be a uh, pro bowler and uh, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer, or how quickly they can be determined uh, to be terrible, like a Josh Rosen. You know, I, I think there are enough people out there who are writing Rosen off as a bust uh, and saying, and listen, we've seen them in the NFL. Uh, we've seen the Ryan Leafs of the world. We've seen uh, Jamarcus Russell. We've seen plenty of first-round quarterbacks who don't work out as well. Uh, but Rosen, context matters. 
right? In every conversation, context matters. And Rosen seems to be someone who was, and typically top picks are put into bad situations, but to have to start on that team with that bad offensive line, with no real skill players outside of uh, Johnson and an aging Larry Fitzgerald, uh, I think Rosen has some good years ahead of him. And to your point earlier, there is at least merit to finding out. To, to seeing what's yeah. there and seeing whether or not uh, at a cheap deal with no real risk involved, you can get him uh, for a second or third. And then you're, you're really swinging to the upside of everything. I do want to transition here. Uh, I did my homework Broncos. assignment, by the way. Uh, oh, oh yes, uh, please, 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 please. Uh, so let me see what I got here. Uh, I just want to make sure I didn't screw up uh, names wise. Uh, close enough. All right. So here are the starting quarterbacks. Forgive me if I missed one because I, I worked off an older list that I try to maintain, and I, I may be missing somebody. But uh, Keenum Flacco. All right. So here are the starters that are, were not first-round picks. Andy Dalton. Case Keenum. Uh, there there we go. That's what I messed up. Okay. There we go. Uh, Case Keenum. Next one, Dak Prescott. Right. Next one, Nick Foles was a third rounder. Oh, all right. And, yep. The next one is Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a second round pick. Tom Brady, famously. Right. Derek Carr. Fair. That one worked out pretty well. Yeah, it did. Drew Brees was the first pick of the second round. Russ Wilson. Kirk Cousins. So it's one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of the guys were not first round picks. Um Breeze as first pick of the second round. Keenum's an undrafted free agent. How do you feel about your team right now when he's your starting quarterback? How do you feel about right. Andy Dalton? Dak Prescott is probably one of the more mercurial guys in the whole league because I think three years in, people still not sure what he is. And I think a lot of people blame the coaching staff for how Dak looks a lot of times. Um, Foles has had one of the weirdest careers in NFL history, if you take a look at it. It's just really odd. He got a shot. He threw his 27 touchdowns, two picks. Then they gets traded, and then he's awful. And he's about to retire, and then he comes off the bench, and he wins the Super Bowl. It's really odd. And now he's getting a shot again. So we'll, this is going to be like – it's like act four for Nick Foles. And people are like, yeah, I think he's pretty good. Like, <laughs> I think he's been pretty good all along. Like, I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's pretty good. And I think with Jacksonville – They'll be pretty good. Can they win a Super Bowl? I don't think so, but right. it's not out of the it's not out of the realm of possibility. Jacksonville releasing Carlos Hyde as well. They're trying to find a, a trade partner for him. Uh, like could not. Million, so. They finally got like four and a half million bucks back for that. That was a smart cut. Like that. Yep. That's just not a guy that they need around. Um, the, remember the Fournette trade talk? I think that's done. Like, I think I would just know that they're, they're set in stone there. They need an offensive line to play better, and they need to figure out the offense in a hurry. The defense, statistically, was actually pretty good last year, but yep. they were up uh, a creek without a paddle every week, 
and the lack of offense just broke down the defense. I think that's why you saw some crazy performances where they'd just given up like they did against the Titans when Derrick Henry went off, and it is what it is. So, so there you go. You got nine of the quarterbacks that were not drafted in the first round. A couple you don't feel great about. A couple are all-timers. Make sure uh, to give your research intern a nice pay raise there. That was well done on their part. Right. Um the uh, interesting thing with the Jaguars is there are rumors around that if they do pull the trigger on a free agent quarterback, uh, Bortles could be released who throws another quarterback out there for the world to say, well, is is he okay enough to be a backup on our team? Maybe should we invest money in him? So another name to, to keep an eye on. Do want to touch briefly here on this uh, proposed rule change from the Denver Broncos. And it does mirror a little bit of uh, what we've seen in the AAF, uh, the Alliance of American Football, uh, with uh, no kickoffs there and, and the idea that if you're down, I think, 17 in the fourth quarter, you can go for a fourth and 12, I think, to maintain the ball as, as a, an onside kick. Uh, the Denver Broncos have put forward an idea here, and I guess this is the time of year where uh, the teams can put forward uh, rule changes and, and uh, proposals on things that can change uh, in the league. They are putting forward the idea to bypass the onside kick instead of kicking off uh, after a score in the fourth quarter, the team would line up at its 35-yard line for what is in essence a fourth and 15. If the team gains 15 yards, it maintains the possession. If not, the defense defensive team takes over from there. Mike Blewett, yay or nay, would you be in favor of this sort of rule change in the NFL? been thinking about it because I saw it first last night. I think I'm open to stuff like this. For this reason, uh, I love. I know sports radio. You're supposed to take a hard line stance. I don't have one for this, <laughs> so I apologize. But I think we're gonna go away from the onside kick at some point, right? They just don't want people to get hurt. I think it's just. A, I think it's a tough. I, like I, I don't want to support the onside kick if if we're just if we're determining that guys are getting hurt regularly on that play. I think the NFL sort of feels like that. I actually think we're eventually going to get away from kickoffs altogether, too. Yep. Because the kickoffs have not no longer exciting. There's so many penalties on kickoffs and punt returns that we very rarely get a chance to see guys break them. There, it's never been historically a play where guys break them all the time. But now there's so many penalties called on them that it's just... To it's me, holding every your time, block in the back every time. Yeah, That's- to me, every time a guy breaks free and goes for a touchdown, you're just waiting for the flag so there's still there has to be a way for those teams to make these late comebacks so i think proposals like this while this won't go through i think proposals like this are smart and i don't know if this is the the silver bullet but uh i'm open to stuff like this do you know what i mean yeah fourth and 15 play one shot i don't know if that's the right thing but I think since we're probably going to get away from the other ones, we have to start looking at alternatives to it. Yeah, I think the math of it would work out. Uh, I'm in favor of a fourth and something more offense, right? Give me more offense, more offensive tries for my team. Uh, I I don't believe we need to ban kickers from fantasy or from real football, but I do think 
Uh, their influence on a game can be a little bit too much. Uh, get the ball in the hands of your quarterback and of your wide receiver and running back, the people you know, you're paying the most money to and the fans are paying to see. I also do, from an injury perspective, we talked about me being a Rutgers guy. Um, you know, Shiano, yeah, when he was with the right. Bucks, yeah, made a big push to get rid of the kickoff or at least make the, the kickoff more uh, uh, safer. And uh, LeGrand, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you've seen, was paralyzed against Army, I think October 16th. Um, and uh, that has changed the scope a little bit. I, I dig it. And it reminds me of the, uh, I think it was a Sports Illustrated article. I'm trying to find it right now about a co- uh, coach in high school who never punts. He's always on offense. Never never punts. His team's always going for it on fourth yep. down. Um, I don't know his name is Kevin, uh, Kevin something. He's a, Kevin Kelly. He's a, Kevin Kelly. Kevin yep. Kelly. Uh, he um, is a, a high school coach in Arkansas. He uh, coaches yep. a Christian school. They never punt. Uh, and they never return punts either. They just let the ball roll, and they pick it up on offense. So they're just constantly trying to play offense, and uh, the guy's record is ridiculous. I can't believe he hasn't been moved up to a small college or something like that. But, yeah, Kevin Kelly, it's it's impressive. There's, like, you can find, like, an HBO Real Sports video on it, probably somewhere on YouTube. It's, like, a solid 12-minute story. You should watch it. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I th- the article in SI at the time, he had won 84 straight, I think, uh, at his school. And they, They'll go for two. they go for two every time. Is they it, that always was the other one. Kick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's just one of those things that uh, play the game a little differently, and I like the way the Broncos are thinking, right? Like, just, just – and it's the same with baseball. I'm not somebody who says don't change the rules. Just let's think about it before changing them. And that, we'll actually talk about that in the next segment. Uh, some rule changes coming to the Atlantic League, which is an unaffiliated professional baseball league on – uh, the Northeast Coast, uh, that could influence Major League Baseball because MLB has sanctioned and partnered with the Atlantic League. We'll talk about that on the other side. Closing out our NFL talk for today. Plenty will happen over the next few days and into next week. So stay tuned to FNTSY, to Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're breaking down all the news you need to know in the National Football League across all the shows. Dan Straffer, Mike Blewett with you up until 11 o'clock this morning on the East Coast. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with more on the other side of this break. Fantasy Sports Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Let's go on to our baseball discussion. A.O. let's go, I guess. But uh, baseball discussion here on Fantasy Sports Day. Dan Trapper, Mike Blewett with you. With the job to uh, the weekend sports update uh, with uh, was it Cam and George at 11. You want to stay tuned for that. And stay tuned to us uh, each and every day. Download the app. Take us with you uh, where you go. Uh, the Fantasy Sports Radio app available in uh, you know the Apple and Android stores. You, you want Mike and I in your lives more? Keep us in your pocket. Uh, with that said, 
Uh, we have these rule changes, Mr. Blewett, coming to the Atlantic League. And we both talked before uh, about having sat and watched some uh, Atlantic League play. Maybe not the, the best level of baseball, but professional nonetheless. And you have a lot of uh, former major leaguers trying to hang on to their careers who stop off in the Atlantic League. Uh, one, I, I, it's good to see from my perspective that Major League Baseball is understanding they need different places to try out different ideas. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that they're trying out so many ideas at once uh, because anyone who does statistical analysis or, or really any sort of testing in any walk of life, you're you're exposing too many different variables here at the same time to be able to pinpoint what helps and what doesn't. But uh, I'm at least happy they're doing something here that isn't just throwing it into the mix in Major League Baseball. Do you agree? Or are you liking to see that they're reaching out to this independent league to try to do some of the testing for them? Or would you prefer this be in minor leagues only and, and be completely contained to that ecosystem? Uh, I think they should use everything available to them. I think when it comes to making rule changes like this, I appreciate the ability to be progressive. I think people that are old school baseball fans and say we shouldn't change anything. It was fine the way it was 100 years ago. It's fooling themselves. I think you need to make changes according to how the game progresses. So whether it's a minor league uh, testing option or an independent league testing option, I'm all for it. I, I think it's completely fine to use whatever is at their disposal. Mexican League, Dominican League, whatever you want to do. J Japanese League, whoever is willing to try out some of this stuff. Try out different stuff in different leagues. Try it all out in one league. I don't care. Just see how it plays out. Yep, I'm right it may there not necessarily 100% translate, but it's likely to because baseball is played very similarly across different levels and leagues. Yeah, I think that's right. It's not playing different rules in the Canadian Football League and translating to the NFL. Those are, you know, two different games in certain ways or, or playing Australian rules football and trying to implement rules for the NFL. Uh, baseball College football still... and pro football have a lot of differences. Um, yep. Baseball in the minors and the majors is a really similar conceptually played game. You, you don't One have of the... the talent level, but it's played almost identically. One of the cliches you hear uh, from baseball managers and coaches is that uh, you walk a pitcher out to the mound, similar to the uh, scene in Hoosiers where he measures the basket, right? He, he gets the guy up on the shoulders and says, how, how tall is that basket? And uh, in baseball, you hear, well, the mound, 60 feet, 6 inches. That hasn't changed. Well, that's one of the rule changes here in the Atlantic League. Um, I This is the one I am most interested in seeing how it plays out. There are some rule changes here that I think at least are with merit and with potential change to Major League Baseball. But, Mike, you go from the first half of the season. For those who don't know, the Atlantic League plays sort of two halves of the season. Not too dissimilar from the All-Star break, but they have winners from each half. And so they are technically almost separate seasons. Uh, and then those winners from each half do make the playoffs and then their playoffs at the end of the year. Um, I know a little bit more about the Atlantic League than I should probably admit, but uh, we, we continue on here. Um, you do have this change of going from 60 feet, six inches uh, of the mound to 62 feet, six inches. And the idea is to limit strikeouts. Uh, to make it harder for these power pitchers and the the change in dynamics of how fast everyone is throwing to limit that and to, to change how dominant pitching has become in baseball full stop. I am concerned for pitcher health here to train 
your whole life, pretty much, maybe 13 and beyond, year 13 and beyond, to throw from 60 feet 6 inches, to train an entire offseason to throw 60 feet 6 inches, to then have to throw 62 feet 6 inches. I know 2 feet sounds like a minimal amount, Mike, but I'm afraid of a lot more elbow and shoulder injuries coming out of the Atlantic League this summer. I think that's the most dramatic one of everything else. I know there's robot umpires and other stuff that we're going to get into, but I would imagine that this would be potentially drastic, as it is mentioned in this article. I, I think baseball has adapted over time to all of the outside factors that have occurred, right? Whether... We're going back 50, 60, 70 years and talking about the introduction of rightful induction of players of different colors, which added right. to the talent pool immediately of that are, were not not white and adding to the talent pool immediately, changing the mound in the 60s, dead ball eras, obvious steroid, uh, widespread steroid use. And this, what we're seeing now, is really an offshoot of the steroid use. The hitters were so good and hitting the ball so far that the the necessary reaction from organizations was just, well, we got to get guys to throw the ball past them. It's the only way we're going to keep them from hitting it out of the park. Now, steroid use has declined, not been eliminated, declined, obviously, because we're not seeing aged players produce at the same rate, but it now now there's an alternate reaction to this. Now the guys are throwing too hard and we're striking out too much, so let's move it back. And it's like organizations have been adapting to this over 15 years, and now you're making them change again, not to mention the big thing that you threw out there, the big matzo ball that you threw out there, which is guys might get hurt because they might try to throw 100 at 62 feet. And is that even physically possible at this point? Right. And I, all things, listen, this is, uh, I'm using listen too much this morning, but uh, listen up, kids. Uh, I, I think this is a situation where it's a change I understand. I get it, right? Like I get why they want to decrease the number of strikeouts in the game. Uh, it's a growing concern amongst managers, executives, front office people, uh, front office people in Major League Baseball at large, that too many strikeouts, too many hitters changing the way they go about things. I don't know that this is the answer because I just feel like it is going to cause uh, bigger problems. I'm not a doctor. I could be completely wrong, obviously, uh, but I do think this will be one to the mo- the one I want to watch the most. Uh, there are other rule changes. Mike made a great point of over time. Uh, it's adapted. Everyone knows the quote from... Uh, uh, Field of Dreams, right, where, you know, baseball has been the one true constant. The country has been steamrolled. Well, baseball's adapted. That's why it's been a constant. It's, it's changed over time. Uh, some of the other rule changes here, Mike, want to get your quick take on them. And plus, robot the last umpires. thing on that, I, on the breaking pitches, like you're, you're calculating the, the, exactly. the curveballs and sliders to break at, at or near the plate. I, like, I, I just don't understand. I, I just don't get it. I, I just don't get that. Like, honestly, scientifically, I'd be fascinated to learn more about it. And maybe you could throw me in front of, you know, a television screen and watch guys throwing curveballs at 62 feet and it won't have any impact. But right now, these breaking balls break at 59 feet and it makes people look like idiots. (laughs) So 
at 62 feet is everybody everything's just hitting in front of home plate. I don't know. Yep. Uh, you think of the revolution of spin rate in Houston, right? How all these pitchers in Houston are so solely focused on the, the spin rate of the ball. The, there's science there. It's not it's not grab the ball, throw it, grip it and rip it. Uh, there's a lot of study and a lot of metrics and, and science evaluation that's going into training these pitchers. And if this were to come to be, that would change. It would it would have to change the math of it all, the science of it all, and the, the way these pitchers are throwing. And is it drastic? No. Two feet's not I can't that imagine drastic. that happening within the next three years, though. Dude. No, I would agree. Yeah, I, I, I think wouldn't that's even something. say five years, but three years, I don't see it. I think of all of the things here, this is the least likely to be ad- uh, adopted. Um, I, I, I just think it's just too far flung. But it's at least, again, something they're trying. Uh, robot umpires you made mention of. Uh, so they're using TrackMan um, to help uh, umpires here uh, with the balls and strikes. Uh, this ESPN article is pretty in-depth. It's uh, Jeff Passan and uh, Dave Schoenfeld uh, talk through uh, all of the potential changes here. Uh, according to ESPN stats and information data, the correct call on balls and strikes in 2018 was 91.1%. So Pretty good. you have 8.9% that were called, quote, unquote, incorrectly. What's your take here on robot, I almost said robot anything, but not robot anything, in sports, uh, instant replay, robot umps, robot line judges in the NFL. Uh, John Gruden is out saying, I don't want to increase uh, instant replay. I want to get rid of it altogether. Uh, there is some sort of love here, Mike, for the fallacy, not the fallacy, the um, wrong word, uh, the, the the possible getting it wrong. Can't think of the correct word at, at present, but uh, the potential that a umpire is is human like that. That human element comes into play here in all these sports. Fans seem to hold on to they seem to ho- fallibility. That was the word I was looking for, by the way, uh, okay. the fallibility of the sure umpire going. Yep, okay. that's fair. Uh, um, what do you think of that? Do you, do you hold on to that? Do you want it to be, or do you want it to be as accurate as possible? I lean more towards as accurate as possible. I think anybody that's around in 2019 and is pushing against technology yeah. can be doing so for some of the right reasons in some instances, like our addiction to it. But when it comes to, like, soccer was the easiest sport to introduce video replay to, and they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. For decades, they didn't do it. All they needed to do was put, much like hockey had it instituted, all soccer, international soccer had had to do, was throw cameras on the goal line. By the way, they're already there for for broadcast, and the, the officials weren't using it. Now, ironically, this week, for those of you that follow soccer or don't there was a massive game in your in the champions league which is really the the largest soccer tournament the most competitive soccer tournament in the world uh there was a game decided by a instant replay call and it's controversial now because it was a penalty call that was that had to be reviewed and there's questions around that but i think they got it right and I'm of the opinion that you should get it right. Um, I would be uncomfortable if there were no, if there was no human element uh, at all. But the strike calls, it's just been a more, more often than not a ridiculous debate of different umpires calling different strike zones and even certain guys calling different strike zones. 
on certain days. And like each MLB game, the average MLB game in 2018 featured 297 pitches with 157 of those called strikes and balls. Now, you develop a skill to be a good umpire, but are you telling me that night in, night out, that these guys can be on their game for in the August heat, in the middle of the day, that they're going to be on their game? I mean, I'm, I'm not poking fun, but you've seen the shape that some of these umpires are in. It's just not practical that they can be getting stuff right all the time. 91%, I actually give them a lot of credit. That's pretty damn good. But why, if we have an opportunity to make it 99 plus, why wouldn't we do that? Yep. Uh, I, I, you and I have talked about it before. NFL Instant Replay became something that it was not intended to do. Right. And they butchered it all over the place with the catch rule, slowing things down to a millisecond to see if the ball moved isn't a proper way to apply the technology. But for balls and strikes, it seems like we've flushed this out for a long period of time. Broadcasts use it. I think we've flushed it out enough that balls and strikes could be a done deal. Now, the uh, the Major League Baseball Umpires Association is obviously going to fight this, but that's one thing that I'm on board with. I'll, I'll go I'll go with the robot calling balls and strikes. In fact, Eric Burns did a on Real Sports. He did a an experiment with it. He wore an earpiece and was being relayed. The, the umpires will still call the balls and strikes. It's not like some robot is going to stand back there and oh, call. That would be it. fantastic. But there's do. a headpiece. That would be pretty amazing. Like the Rocky Four robot. That would be pretty sick. <laughs> so the, uh, they should have the Rocky Four robot back there, like a 1980s robot. So uh, it, Johnny Five, it, maybe? Johnny it, Five can yeah, be there. Yeah, exactly. Short circuit. That's what I'm talking about. So, or a bunch of Star Wars characters, droids. So we, Eric Burns wore this earpiece. They were relaying the calls to him, and it's a minimal delay. He's not sitting there for multiple seconds. He gets the call. Second later, he makes the call. Ball or strike. And there were no mistakes. There's no mistakes. There's no arguing. And if you're the baseball fan, it's like, ah, I missed the helmet throwing and arguing over the balls and strikes. Well, they're not allowed to argue about it anyway. Right. It's all so stupid. Right. There's never been a call change in the history of baseball on a ball strike. Yep. Well, they that's... get pissed, and they throw their helmets, and they throw bats on the field, and they're like, oh, I like seeing Lupinella freak out. All right, well, it doesn't matter. It's all a big show, and we can have arguments in other ways. Well, it's the uh, uh, having done play-by-play and, and color analysis for baseball for many a year, it's the oh, well, you, you know, one thing you can't do in baseball is argue balls and strikes. Well, but they do. It doesn't influence anything to your out. point, but they do. Um, it is the long-term play here, robot umps, and we'll, we'll talk about a couple of the other uh, changes on the other side of this break, but that there is an influence game with arguing balls and strikes, right? Much like in the NBA, you get makeup calls. Sometimes over the course of a game, to your point, uh, maybe a number is not at his best, and maybe he is not calling balls and strikes accurately, and maybe he feels... I need to make up a call or I need to be a little bit better on the outside. I need to to check the black on Greg Maddox throwing because he's that accurate. Um, and then you have that seed of doubt in the umpire's brain that says, I, I got to change the way I'm calling this game. 
a robot doesn't change. <laughs> like it, it, it doesn't change via influence or, or conditions or anything like that. Uh, so I'm all for it. I think uh, timing is uh, a point, but to your point already, tests being done there and uh, pretty uh, quick with it. There are plenty of umpires who take five seconds to make a call anyway. So it's not like it's going to be any slower than some of these guys at present. A couple of other changes. Yes, exactly right. Uh, plenty of calls uh, to get to from balls and strikes, but plenty of rule changes to get to as well uh, from Major League Baseball in the Atlantic League to talk about here. Also want to talk about Joe Kelly and his cooking habits. I got him injured. We'll get to that after this. Break coming up. Dan Trevor, White Blue at Fantasy Sports Today. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. And Trevor Mike Blewett back here on Fantasy Sports Today, taking you up to 11 o'clock this morning on the East Coast. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, we do have a couple other rule changes to get to uh, in the Atlantic League. Uh, there is the uh, pitch clock, which may still be in play. Uh, there are uh, the changing the size of the bases from 14 inches to 18 inches, uh, reducing the time between innings and pitching changes. So going from about two minutes, five seconds to one minute, 45 seconds. Those are at least minimal in uh, potential uh, changes to the game itself. Uh, the bag sizes, I guess, to prevent injuries, uh, players getting tangled up, whether between uh, plays at second base, sliding in or plays at first base, a player coming down the line. But the other two um Rule changes here that I think will impact baseball as we know it currently are banning the shift and uh, relief pitchers. So there is discussion amongst Major League Baseball and the MLBPA, Mike, that uh, a relief pitcher must face a minimum of three batters. Now, obviously, currently you have um, the specialist, the the lefty specialist who comes in to face one batter and then is out of the game. The thought here is that it it speeds up the game and it obviously uh, does influence the number of players on a roster, right? That's the other side where the MLBPA is kind of pushing back uh, that they'll they'll lose out on some of these specialist contracts uh, that do get inflated a bit. Any thoughts on a, a pitcher minimum? Are you for or against or, or kind of uh, not no opinion at all? Uh, this is happening. Yeah. That one's going to happen. So uh, good numbers here in this article. Again, Jeff Passan and David Schoenfeld. There were 1,145 relief appearances in 2018 of one batter faced and another 1,143 of two batters. The top five pitchers last season are relief appearances of one or two batters. Andrew Chafin, Ollie Perez, Tim Hill, Luis Avalon, and Jerry Blevins. As you might expect, all are lefties. This is all from the article. In fact, the only righties in the top 25 were Steve Zeshek and Luis Garcia. So they are really trying to... 
move away from this. I think there's momentum all across. It says that this is absolutely going to happen. I think it makes sense. I think it uh, helps to speed up games. The irony is that, you know, we're talking about the moving the mound back. That will slow down games. This will speed up games. So where do we settle? Right. I think there's so much. I, I don't know what the right solution is, Dan, but there's so much talk about the length of the games. Yep. I, I think you have to institute a pitch clock. I think you get. I think you do this, and make sure that guys are in there for a minimum of three batters, whatever it is, three batter minimum. Yeah. Um. And then see what the timing looks like. But the pitch clock is the thing that they've said. Ah, oh, yeah, we have a pitch clock. I'm like, all right, then use it. Okay, we're right. definitely going to do that. And then they do it for a month, and then they forget about it, and uh, nobody wants to be rushed. So. To get ticked off. I, I just think you put a pitch clock on it and you limit these rule changes. And I think you see where the chip, let the chips fall where they may on the moving in of the mound and the strikeouts and all that other kind of stuff. Because I think the pitch clock and the multiple pitching changes within an inning are what slows the game down the most. Yep. I would say I am of all the potential rule changes. The pitch clock is one I'm least interested in. I, I, I get it. And I get why. I am not someone who believes baseball games are too long. I think uh, I sort of do go old school mentality there with it's it's an untimed game. Like that's the one thing. It's it's always but been But you and an I are big baseball game. fans. Right. They have right. to they have to try to appeal to more than just guys that have been watching baseball for four decades like myself. Damn and you Gen just, Zers. Damn yeah, you. I mean they I I just think and look <laughs> There is a component to when the Yankees and Sox, every time they play, are knocking out four-hour games. It is ridiculous. Like, what What are we doing? We could get the same thing done in a half an hour, 45 minutes less. The length of the time that you're taking, to me, isn't indicative of the strategy that you've worked out. You're just stepping out of the box. You're having conversations. You're doing it. Like, there's just, I just think that there's things that happen during those long games that could be shortened that don't determine the impact one way or the other. Oh, you sped up the game. That favors the Sox. Like, who would who would say that? Nobody. Right. Like, it just doesn't favor either team. Like, let's just get on with it. We're just, we're screwing around, to be honest. Like, everybody shouldn't be Kevin Apier. He's was, he was going to be like... <laughs> It's total a rain delay waiting to happen on the mound. It just doesn't yep. need to happen like that. Let's um, get. Let's just keep it moving. It I helps think, everyone, in my opinion. I know what you're saying, and I'm not saying the game has to be timed. I'm just saying we can get on with it. Right. I, I, I don't disagree there, and I think there's, you're, there's a certain structure to an actual clock rather than telling umpires you need to enforce it better. Um, and giving a set amount of time rather than, hey, let's move along is the right way to go. Um, I also do think that I, I come back to the soccer model amazingly, and I know some stalwart American sports fans will, will not be happy, but I love watching the World Cup because there are no commercials. I love the fact that I can sit there and watch an entire game with a logo up in the right-hand corner or some sort of lower third that gives me the branding and the advertising I'm supposed to be, yeah. supposed to be seeing. What's wrong with And that? further, I'm there to watch the game. When commercials come on and I'm home, I'm leaving the room. I'm out. I'm, out. I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to check on my kids. I'm going to do something else. 
And the fact of the matter is, give me shorter breaks in between innings. Give me a minute 30 or a minute 15. Give the pitcher time to get out there, throw a couple warm-ups, and then move on. And give me branding on the screen. They're doing it already. Like your your scoreboard is sponsored by whatever. Give me branding directly on the screen. Give me a little watermark or or, or a lower third or something. And shorten the time in between innings. And you've like, seen give, them do this, by the way. You've seen them uh, yeah. run ads where there's an inset of the of the, right, picture, the picture warming picture. Yep. up, or or you know officials making a decision in football, or they're you know after a kickoff they're coming right back. Like in the NFL, the killer always oh, that, was touchdown commercial, extra point commercial, kickoff commercial. Like you you would sometimes get that if there was a review in there. So that that was the killer. They've gotten away from that. Uh, I just think that, yeah, we can get on with it. I, I'm not – I understand that the romanticism of baseball, and it isn't a timed game, so we don't have to rush. It doesn't have to be packaged in a two-and-a-half-hour uh, bow every single night. But we can get on with the stuff that we're already doing, which is yep. throw the ball to home plate. Uh, let's not take five minutes in between innings, which they don't, you know, but they take longer in Major League Baseball than they do in other leagues. Right. So – Totally right. One last uh, rule change to get to here, which will influence the game. Uh, you see the numbers again. If, for those of you who haven't uh, seen this article, I'll, I'll send a tweet out. We'll get the FNTSY radio handle to, to retweet as well. Uh, this article from uh, Jeff Passan and Schoen, uh, Dave Schoenfeld over there on ESPN is just a good breakdown of these rule changes and what they believe it to mean, potential impact, uh, and uh, the likeliness that it is picked up by Major League Baseball in the future, but batter uh, bending the shift. So the idea here is almost like a defensive three-second violation uh, in the NBA where the shortstop and second baseman, or I should say two defenders in some way, shape, or form, doesn't matter who they are, need to be on either side of second base when a pitch is released. So for those of you who remember back to playing Little League uh, at a certain age group, you could steal second, but you had to wait for the ball to cross home plate. And so this is a similar rule where when the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, you need to be on one side of the bag. If you decide to then take off running to the other side, that's up to you. Uh, but this is a rule that's trying to get rid of the shift, Mike, right? Trying to get rid of that defensive change that so many uh, people seem to hate for one reason or another. Uh, what's your thoughts here? Are you pro-shift, anti-shift, or shiftless uh, here uh, in your analysis? There's another scenario where I'm not I'm not taking a hard line on it necessarily because I think to force teams against something that they feel gives them has given them a strategic advantage um, teams going against a progressive way of thought um, so. That's why I hesitate to say, yeah, I'm fine with going old school, but there is always something a little off about every time uh, a really good left-handed hitter comes up, they shift it and they eliminate his ability to, to be as good as he was. But you really should just go back to the other thing. Well, just try to figure something else out in order to get a hit. Um, there's an estimate here that an average of 19.7 runs per team were saved by employing the shift. So... um there's another conclusion that said that it outweighed he, Russell Carlton, a baseball pro- 
prospectus wrote up a study last May that came to a much different conclusion. He concluded that while singles do go down against a full shift, walks go up and home runs go up slightly as well. So it outweighs the benefits of eliminating some base hits. So um, there's a lot of different ways to approach this one. I do think that I, I probably, as much as I don't like certain things about it, I would have a hard time restricting what teams are allowed to do on the field. It's their team. It's their defensive alignment. Determining it illegal because some data suggests that baseball could be a little bit more open or could have a few more runs scored. I think it's it's going against what your managers and your scouts, everybody else, are trying to employ to make your team better. Does that make sense? Right. That's a long yep. explanation. But. Well, here, here's for me. Um, it is for forever, and cross-sport comparisons can be difficult, and I, I will recognize that here at the top. A little bit of a caveat with what I'm about to say. In the NBA, forever, I know uh, say, yeah. the zone defense was illegal, yeah. right? You could not play a zone. Now, there's zone. You can play a 2-3. You can play a 2-1-2 two, two, as long as a player is defending another player. You can't sort of just hang out in the paint as you can in a typical 2-3 or 2-1-2 or, or whatever zone you might be playing. In college, yeah. So, right, in, or college, high school, wherever else you might be playing. So that shift has happened. We used to see in the NBA that legal defense, right? That was the call. And I get why. The idea is to open it up more, more offense, and, and uh, not allow a dominant big man a la Hassan Whiteside or Rudy Gobert stand in front of the rim and be able to block shots and, and keep people away from the rim. Now, for baseball, I, I get the thought process, and I get why they think this will help offenses move forward, but the statistics don't really show it, as you were just saying. Like, yeah, there, there are some pieces here and there, but it goes back to what the hitters are trying to do. And if you look at the hitters who are most uh, aggrieved by the shift, they're power hitters. They're, they're guys who talk launch, launch angle. They're guys who talk about, um, you know, hitting the ball out of the park. Kyle Seager, Matt Carpenter, Freddie Freeman, uh, Anthony Rizzo, Matt Olson, the most shifted against lefties. And these are guys who are trying to put the ball in the seats. And that's not to say, I know the old adage, why don't they just bunt? Well, because a bunt isn't worth as much as a home run. It, it just isn't. And these guys are being paid to hit the ball out of the park and, and to drive the ball as hard as they can. I, I am against banning the shift. It's a sort of a double negative. Um, I'm for the shift and any sort of defensive changes that a uh, manager thinks will help his team win. And here's my reasoning why. Why are we sing, sing, signaling out, singling out defense, right? Like, why is defense less important than the offense is here? And that's yeah. a problem for me, that you're saying that we want more runs, we, we want more hits. We don't want the strategy defensive side of the ball because that doesn't bring people to the ballpark. If, if, if that's the case, then say that and, and say what it is. Not that the game is changing. You, know, you want more hits. You want more offense. Fine. But I like defense in baseball. I like pitching in baseball. And maybe that's old school. Maybe that's the, the where we're going away from, as you said before. But it, you're targeting here the defensive side of the ball to open up more offense. I just don't think it's the right way to go about it. It is one I'll keep an eye on. I, I will track Atlantic League stories this year because of this. Haven't for the past couple of years up in New England now, so don't have any of the teams this way. And you're saying uh, they're instituting all of these in Atlantic League. I just want to make sure everybody yeah, understands. That is, 
the report came out that this year, 2019, in the Atlantic League, via a partnership between Major League Baseball and the Atlantic League, they will implement all of these rule changes this year. These pitchers get hurt. They're going to they're gonna get rid of the 62 feet idea quickly. Right. And are there insurance policies? Like, are these players allowed to say no? I, and I know it's way, an independent league. league players, like these guys are, there's two kinds of players. Really young guys yep. that have that have not caught on with a major league team yet. There's three kinds. Let me see. It's the guys <laughs> I just mentioned. The guys that are at are done are done being in uh, major league baseball and are just right. hanging around to have a little bit of fun and want to live in this area. Just kind of keep the dream of playing alive. And I'm not suggesting that there aren't instances where guys play in this league and make it back to the league. Rich Hill was one of those guys. He played right. in the Atlantic League and then made it back to the pros. So there are a few instances. And other guys that have maybe gotten into trouble uh, in an organization, a, a failed drug test or something like that, got released and are trying to rehab their ability to get back into it. So those are the three guys. And, you know, you just wouldn't want to see anything bad happening to those types of players that are trying to make their way back into it. The last thing I'd say on the shift, by the way, I remember uh, DJ Dozier uh, was mad at somebody for hitting against this shift last week because it was in mm-hmm. the middle uh, last year because it was in the middle of a blowout game. Uh, my only suggestion to you is that if you're going to employ the shift at any point, anybody can do anything they want to try to get a hit or get on base. They can bump Absolutely. it. They can do whatever they want. If you're going to employ the shift, and the guy the next hundred times lays down a bunt on the third base side, that's your problem. The uh, not up to un- the hitter. The unwritten rules of baseball are the worst rules of baseball. <laughs> they are by that far. one is the dumbest. Yep. He's dressing somebody down for hitting against the shift in the middle of a ninth inning blowout. It's like you're in the shift, right? Get out so, of the shift, and then yep, he'll you, hit away. Exactly right. I, I agree with that completely. It's the same as uh, throwing at a batter who hit a home run off you. Don't 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 let him hit a home run off you. Then don't throw at him. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, same, same. Don't let them do it, and then you can't complain about it. Uh, we do have one more story in Major League Baseball. I want to get to on the other side: uh, a cooking injury. We had uh, Brandon Nimmo give himself salmonella. Now another cooking injury uh, in Major League Baseball. We'll get to that on the other side, as well as talk some NBA and close out the show at the top of the hour at eleven o'clock. Giving it to Cam and George back with more after this. Dan and Mike, Fantasy Sports Today.